The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. This is episode three of the Wooden Spoon podcast, The Sit Down, and we are here. We are joined by Gianni Russo, and you guys probably know him as Carlo from the Godfather movie, among many, many, many other things I'm sure we'll get into. Thank you so much for having me. We're actually in Gianni's home right now in the, the Upper East Side. Yep, don't give the address though. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, the Upper East Side, which is interesting about this place, I first came here when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was uh, a horse room mm-hmm. for Frank Costello. Okay. And then I became a messenger for him through mm-hmm. the years. And then I've been here ever since, which is wow. now going on 65 years. Mm-hmm. So wow. I won't leave it. Yeah. But I mean, it's so. While the dining room at 16, mm-hmm. got an eight stool bar. That's yeah, beautiful. Here. Crazy. I can't thank you enough for having me. Oh, no, please. For having me. <laughs> Excuse me. So. If you talk about like living life and someone who's seen it all, done it all, you're definitely at the very top of that list. So. Oh, just because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but just being in like a movie like The Godfather, actually, you're instrumental in helping that movie get made, yeah. which is incredible. Because, like, I think a question I wanted to ask you was, what would have happened if The Godfather never? was made because you were so instrumental in making it it's like the godfather so much has happened after the godfather not only in like films about like italians or the mafia or anything like that but just filmmaking in general oh no i mean to me my first one was my ego i was 25 years mm-hmm. of age and i had someone read me the book mm-hmm. basically i was a, a, a still am very illiterate as far as uh, schooling i never went mm-hmm. went to like sixth seventh grade and mm-hmm. that was it and so uh when they read the book to me, which is always nice when you can digest it and fantasize as you're reading, the, having someone read it, I recognized that Michael, Sonny, or Carlo, mm-hmm. I could definitely be. Mm-hmm. And my ego, I put it in my mind, I'm going for it, mm-hmm. which I've been blessed with. Anything I've wanted to do, I've been able to do. And then as they were developing the film, Joe Colombo mm-hmm. of, the, of the Colombo family, one of the five families in New York, he started picking the FBI building and mm-hmm. anti-defamation league. I know. I, I remember I watched so many documentaries. He was very, very huge in being oh anti-defamation of so I, Americans. And with me, being around the mob as long as I have been all my life, I, it always gets down to money. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew what he was doing to promote. He was selling like a buck a button for lapel buttons, okay. a dollar, mm-hmm. and to finance it. So when he started picketing everything, I figured, you know what? I, don't know, I was in, on the West Coast. I said, let me fly to, to New York and see him. Mm-hmm. So I set up a meeting. I go see him on Madison Avenue. And I'm giving you the short version. Yeah. But um, I said, Joe, I understand what you're doing. I said, but there's an f- easier way to do it. And you can make a lot of money. And in the eyes of the Italian-Americans, you'll be a hero. Mm-hmm. He said, how can I do this? I said, well, first of all, you're selling a buck a button. You're going to sell a lot of buttons. <laughs> I think, why don't you, and he had a young gentleman with him at the time, mm-hmm. Barry Slotnick, he was a young attorney who represented the league. Okay. 
And so I said, have Barry go through the book. And what you don't like, let's take a meeting with Pamela. And if they agree not to put it into the movie, let them shoot the movie. Because they needed the cooperation of the Italian-American yes. all, And they needed him to slow down. Mm -hmm. So, and I said, you can make a lot of money, which I knew. He, mm -hmm. he said, how am I going to do that? I said, well, if, if they make the movie and you allow them to make the movie and everybody cooperates with the locations, the unions and everything, I'll get you the world premiere in every city. Wow. He said, you could do that? I said, I don't know that. You've got to give me permission to go negotiate. <laughs> and it's funny because the Gulf American building, it was right out, Gulf, Gulf and Western rather, Gulf and Western just bought Paramount. Mm -hmm. And it's in what now is called Trump Tower, right on Columbus <laughs> Circle, mm -hmm. two blocks away. Mm -hmm. So I walked right up from Madison, set up the meeting, and I, I wanted to really dramatize it. So we set it for the next day, and I went back to see Joe. I said, Joe, they agreed to the meeting. I said, you gotta bring everybody, Fatty Anthony, he had the original cast of The Godfather in his car. <laughs> and I wanted to terrorize them. Yeah. Because we were, we, and we met with Bobby Evans, Stanley Jaffe, all the movies and shakers of Paramount. So we get there and we agree on everything and and they agreed to let Barry go through it and whatever changes, they'll take it out. And basically, you know, they, they didn't want the word guinea. They didn't they, they, they want it like the word mafia too was never no, mentioned. Mafia was not in it. And, uh, until he died, because mm -hmm. when they tried to assassinate him, uh, the following June, mm -hmm. ironically, they tried to assassinate him in 1971. Mm -hmm. This is 1970 I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. So we're well into the film now, shooting it, and we were just about to shoot me beating up my wife mm -hmm. in the apartment. So we're doing the scene, and the, if the Godfather officiados will know, I said, now clean it up, you guinea brat. Yeah. And, and Francis Coppola said, no, we can't use guinea. I said, no, he's dead, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how I became an actor, which mm -hmm. is insane. But like you said, where would the world be, because I travel the world all over, where would the world be if we didn't have the Godfather? Such a great reference piece. And so in my life, is mm -hmm. totally changed from mm -hmm. that alone. I mean, I, I was doing really well financially, but you know, my, I, I love challenges and ego, my ego, I want mm -hmm. to keep doing, like I'm still doing now. Yep. I'll be 77 in December, mm -hmm. it's like, and I'm got, I have four major projects right now. Wow. And did you want to announce any of the ones coming up? Or? Oh yeah, well the book itself, if they haven't seen the book, it's called Hollywood Godfather, My Life and the Movie and the Mob, that's my memoirs, you can get it on Barnes and Noble. We'll have links to everything. Anywhere, yeah. And uh, now I've started from, because of the book, there was so much interest, I started a podcast. Mm -hmm. I just posted my 39th hour. Wow. And now I have an offer from WABC Radio, who my friend just bought at John Casamitidis. Wow. They want to simulcast it. That's so cool. And then, as luck goes, Nick Vallelongo, who won the Oscar last year for Green Book, mm -hmm. He and Colin Wilson of Avatar fame, and Colin just recut Star Wars that comes out wow. November 12th mm -hmm. on, on Disney streaming, mm -hmm. and he just finished that. So he's my executive producer, and that's happening. Mm -hmm. And then I was approached by my good friend Tom Cantone, 
who was the entertainment director for all the Mohegan Sun casinos, okay. eight of them. He wants me to do a one-man show, which I'll start doing right away, actually. I'll be at uh, Fallsview. Yeah, Fallsview in, um, I think that's Niagara Falls, Ontario. Yeah, March 7th. Yeah. I'll be okay. there. Okay, well, we'll be there, too. No, please. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, come with the crew. Yeah, Shoot for sure. Them. Yeah. No, but so I'm doing this. But what I like about this, and you know, my, as we mentioned earlier, my good friend Charles Balmonteri, so many people have done it. But my life branched so many different things. So I, you're going to see you're going to see the inauguration of the Kennedys. Most people have never seen it. Mm-hmm. It's 56 years ago. Wow. And that's it. And Sinatra produced that. I was there as a kid. <laughs> I was in my teens. But you know, all all of those references and having I, I'm the only person in the world that could say Sinatra was my only singing teacher. Mm-hmm. Marlon Brown's my only acting teacher. Marilyn Monroe at the age of 16 taught me how to be a man. <laughs> and I'm probably the only person in the world that could say I was kidnapped by Pablo Escobar. Yes. Brought to Bogota. Mm-hmm. And I'm here and they're not. Oh, and did uh, you actually, you actually like sat down and talked to Pablo Escobar? Well, he actually rescued me. Mm-hmm. I was captured by his people. What happened, I had a club in Las Vegas called Johnny Russo State Street, mm-hmm. which was a legendary club because Everybody hung out. And that's where our mutual friend Robert Nash, he said yeah. he, did, he worked there yeah. too. Yeah, he used to come and try to, you know, he was an um, person of De Niro. Yeah, he did, then he said he, was, he did magic and stuff like that. Oh, too. he did yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. So with all that said, I mean, this guy coming to my club, I didn't know who he was. Caesar's Palace sent him. I had a lot of house accounts. And I loved the guy for the first 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Because he opened this check with a bottle of Louis XIII, a bottle mm-hmm. of Cristal, Beluga Caviar. He's giving everybody $100 bills. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of people like that. But then he got stupid and he stabbed his girlfriend with the Cristal bottle. And I got involved with it. And uh, I stepped in and protected her. And I wound up killing him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was the underboss to Pablo Escobar. <laughs> so rather than wait, I flew there. Oh, wow. You flew right to Colombia. Well, we do know what they were Marielitos. And Marielitos will have, because they had avenged his, fa- his brother's death, mm-hmm. so his brothers would kill my pets, my children, everything mm-hmm. first. They want you to suffer. So rather than, once I found that out, yeah. I got John Gotti to arrange for me to go. Wow. And I went over there, not realizing how nuts these people really were. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pablo Escobar saved my life. <laughs> And I, I was like two or three days already tortured. They slit my throat, my chin, and all mm-hmm. that. And uh, I, I'm in a day sitting in a sitting position as I am now. And I notice there's a guy standing in front of me, well dressed, not in fatigues. And he had a book in his hand called The Making of the Godfather. Wow. And he said to me, Why didn't you tell me you were Carlo and the Godfather? And he tells them, Clean him up and bring him up to the house. And the next 24 hours I'm with him. And uh, saved my life, but I mean that's that's there's so much in this book, and it's my biography. Mm-hmm. So it's 75 years of my life, untold stories, mm-hmm. and about the popes, three different popes I've known, six presidents. It's it's, it's incredible. It's, now, is there any like talk of a possible movie in the future? Well, yeah, they want to do that too. But what what's happening now is we're all witnessing, even myself. They want to do that's what Nick Vallelongo's doing. Mm-hmm. He's doing 10 one hours. Because oh, okay. it's too much. <laughs> you can't get this in my life. And yeah, that'd be something 
I think would be great on like something like Netflix or another well, streaming yeah. service. Well, I, now the good news again, my luck is Disney starts streaming this yeah. month. Apple streaming mm-hmm. this month. Netflix needs continuity now mm-hmm. because everybody's taking all their libraries yes. back. So I'm in a bidding war with three of the top people right now. Wow. But uh, oh, it's, gonna be, it's fun. It's fun for my kids, you know. I have many kids. Yes, you're an absolute family man. Not one. really. No? no? I have a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. I, have two, I have two daughters, nine sons, nine grandsons. Wow. And they're still making babies, fortunately. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, what's so unique about my life, I had ten mothers for my kids. Because mm-hmm. I, I blame it on my boat. <laughs> and I was just, you know, that guy. And wh- one of the reasons for writing the book, actually, I tell my children in the book, because most of them, they don't even talk to me. Mm-hmm. But I tell them, this is why Daddy wasn't home. Mm-hmm. That's in the last paragraph. <laughs> I love it. That's funny. Yeah. So out of all these people that like you've met throughout your whole life, who do you, who do you think surprised you the most with like their personality or something like that caught you off guard almost? Well, I have to say Brando. Brando? Because, you know, when, when we got off, I never acted before, so I got a call sheet. I actually had this apartment, mm-hmm. but I moved into the Park Lane Hotel because all the movie stars were staying there. <laughs> I wanted to get up every morning and have people, you know, take your picture. Yeah. The movie was a phenomenal. They were paying it 24 hours a day for wow. months, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. So I, I wanted to absorb all of that, and, uh, and I did. And, but we got a call sheet, and it said, we're going to have a rehearsal up on 119th Street at Patsy's Restaurant. Mm-hmm. Now, I knew that. It's a Genovese family. I knew everybody up there. I used to bring overnight loans up, 1000 2000 mm-hmm. for the Zig and Ed games. So I felt comfortable about that because I, you know, I never met all these people. Mm-hmm. And not, not even the young actors. I was looking at Sterling Haydens and Richard Conti's John Wally, mm-hmm. Marlon Brando. I mean, these are established yes. actors. And I was wearing Brioni then. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I always dress. And the thing is, I got there and I'm seeing movie stars that needed a bath. <laughs> I mean, even uh, uh, Diane Keaton came in all scuzzy. I mean, I couldn't, but that's the arts part of it, I guess. Yes. But it said, do not have eye contact or speak to Marlon Brando. Bold letters right on the bottom of the sheet. Mm-hmm. So I didn't say anything. So what they did, they, we had a rehearsal, a little bigger than this table, and all we had to do is, in chronological order, as you are in the script, get up and say, Hi, I'm Michael. Mm-hmm. I'm Al Pacino playing Michael. Mm-hmm. And go around and got to me. I'm Carl Rizzi, Johnny Russo. And we took a first break after 20 minutes or so. And Marlon Brando comes over to me. He says, You're a big TV actor. I said, No. He says, You have a movie coming out. I said, No. He says, well, you're not on Broadway. I know everybody on Broadway. I says, mm. what's this, a quiz show? <laughs> so he says to me, who'd you study with? I said, study what? What are you talking about? And I never did anything, so I never broke down a script or mm-hmm. anything. I was just happy to be in the movie. So he calls Copler over, and he says, Francis, this guy's playing my son-in-law. He undermines my family. Mm-hmm. He gets my son, Sonny, killed. He gets my younger son Michael involved, you have to rethink this. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to myself, this guy's trying to get me fired. So again, I don't know protocol. I said, Francis, go over there a minute. I didn't know I couldn't dismiss the director. <laughs> like, that guy's king. 
And then the other sacrilege I did, I put my arm around Brando, and I walked him out of the room where the zinger and I came in the back. I knew during the night, nobody's there now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to embarrass him and let anybody hear what I was going to say to him. So I take him out, out of earshot. I'm like right in his face. I said, let me just tell you something. You screw this up on me. You get me fired. Do you hear what I'm telling you now? You get me fired. I'm going to suck on your heart. You're going to bleed out right here. And he's looking at me. Then he stood back. He said, that was brilliant. You could do this, buddy. He thought I was acting. I was, I was serious. I already told everybody I'm in the movie. And they didn't believe me. Oh, my God. But, but he, wow. he was the guy, and to get back to your original question, he and I became the best friends. Mm -hmm. He drove to work with me every day, because they were in uh, station wings. I had a 65 Bentley limousine <laughs> with a Chinese chick chauffeur. And I think he liked the Chinese chick chauffeur better than the car. But I drove with him every day to Staten Island, and he helped me with all the scenes. Wow. He, he's, that's why I said earlier, he's my only acting teacher. Mm -hmm. He was. Like wow. Sinatra's my only singing teacher. That's he heard I wanted to sing. He said, come to Palm Springs. If you have it ever there. I said, don't tell me to come, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's, that's how crazy my life was. You know? Yeah, it's almost like you have a personality trait about you where it's like just ambition and drive. Where do you think that, that comes from? Well, I know where it came from. Fortunately, and most people think I'm crazy when I say it, in 1949, I got polio. Mm -hmm. And I was put in a state institution for five years straight, wow. quarantine. So that'll give you a will to survive and live and achieve things. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I was there, I got them, uh, I know the date well, August 7, 1949, and had no family members, nobody came in. And I'm saying to myself, why, why am I doing here? Am I? And I thought, you know, I was, I was an altar boy already. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, God, why are you punishing me here? And then, my birthday was coming December 12th, and Dolores Barone, who was a candy striper, mm -hmm. on my floor, that's a nurse in training, yep. And uh, she brought me a transistor radio mm -hmm. from Carlo Gambino for my birthday. Wow. Because I knew from the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that day, when I heard all day long on WNEW, Frank Sinatra, chairman of the board, and while I'm laying in bed, he's creating riots at the Paramount Theater on Broadway. It was concerts, eight concerts a day he was doing. Wow. And we shared the same birthday, and they told me on the on the newscaster, he's an Italian American, humble beginnings, Hoboken, and he gave me a will. I got out of it five wow. years. And then when's the first time you actually met Mr. Sinatra? I met him two years later. Wow. I was fourteen. He was doing a sound check at the Copa, mm -hmm. and Frank Costello owned the Copa, mm -hmm. so I used to be there all the time. So I go in through the kitchen, and he's doing a sound check. And, and I could see, he, he looks up at me, and Drew Bodell, the manager, was sitting in the corner. He's kind of like, who's this kid? He's, no, no, he's with us. Mm -hmm. So after the first break, because now he's my idol, I've been mm -hmm. for the last two yes. years with Sinatra. So he, he's, I mean, he smokes like a fiend. Mm -hmm. So he's picking up a cigarette, I get right there, and I light it for him. Mm -hmm. I said, Mr. Sinatra, I never thought I'd meet you. He's, who are you? I says, I'm, 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 I'm the kid. He's, what's your name? I said, the kid. He says, who gave you that name? I says, Mr. C. He said, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> I said, you know, you saved my life. He said, how did I do that? And I told him the story, that I was in polio, I had no, no will, I watched 23 kids die already. Wow. And I said, knowing your beginnings and your Italian-American, I said, this is why I'm here. He says, well, 
and, and got really touched. Mm -hmm. And that would be the first time I saw Sinatra cry. Wow. And I've seen him after that many times. Mm -hmm. he's, he's not that guy that everybody thinks he is. He's a very sensitive guy. Mm -hmm. But I guess, you know, he, he has to portray what he is, but he was such a good friend of mine. In fact, he baptized my last son, Luciano. Wow, that's so, so cool. I really spent a lot of time with him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's how crazy my life is. But, um, you know. Yeah, so what are some of the goals for the future then? If I tell you this, I want to tell you this, mm -hmm. and the audience should remember this. I, I've been in movies that won five Oscars, mm -hmm. Total Online, actually, Seabisk and all that. So what I'm, what I'm thinking of doing now, as you pointed out, the movie, I want to do, and I, it's funny because about the freshmen going to theaters first, I talked to Bobby about this long ago. De Niro and I are real close. Mm -hmm. So to qualify for an Oscar, you have to be in at least 500 theaters. Okay. So, so that's what we want to do. When I do this Netflix or whoever winds up with a Disney or mm -hmm. I want a limited run for 500 pictures to qualify. I just want to get nominated. I don't care if it wins. But I want to get nominated for the movie. I want to get a Grammy for the TV show. Mm -hmm. I'm going to Broadway with it. So that get me a Tony. Mm -hmm. And that'll be a Rob Robin. That's you know. awesome. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. I have nothing to do in the next couple of years, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, did you ever think of maybe like getting into directing or anything like that? No. That's, I mean, a director is on the set first on, for, first off. Mm -hmm. That's too much work. Too much work. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I never had a job job where I had mm -hmm. to go every day and do something like that. But I don't have that kind of... They offered me a Broadway play, uh, I forget who, a big, big producer. Uh, guys and Dolls. Okay. And uh, I went just out of curiosity. And then in the meeting, they said, you know, we do eight shows a week. I said, what? <laughs> they said, yeah, we do a matinee on Wednesday and a matinee mm -hmm. on Saturday and six shows. I said, you're talking about eight shows I got to do a, day, a week? <laughs> I said, no, not me. And they said, well, well, it pays this. I said, thank God I don't need any money. I couldn't have worked eight, <laughs> eight shows a week. That's a lot of that's work. Funny. See, that's why I like the one-man show, though. Mm -hmm. It's 75 minutes. I'm, I'm written it already. Mm -hmm. I'm, I wrote the whole thing. And what I did chronologically going through my life, you're going to see everything. I mean, you're going to see the inauguration. You're going to see the assassination. You're going to see different popes. I was, in, I was in Rome for about 120 days straight. I went to one pope's funeral. I went to the inaugural of the next one. Then wow. that pope got poisoned. Dirty dead went to his funeral. Then I went. To, I mean, it was like that's when I met John, Pope John Paul. Wow. And became friends with him, mm -hmm. which is even better. And now he's a saint. Mm -hmm. Even my grandkids say, "Papa, you're the only guy that really knows a saint," <laughs> <laughs> which is true. I mean, so I mean, it, it's, it sounds like a Disney fairy tale, but to me. You gotta have a goal in life, mm -hmm. and I always say if to my kids, like you, when you call me, why wouldn't I talk to you? Mm -hmm. You're a young, aspiring person. You have a dream. Everybody helped me with my dream. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't do this on my own. I had help on every facet of, of the stuff. Unless wow. I would have made it. Mm -hmm. That's you know, to me, it's, you got to give back. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me over. Um, I like to keep these a little short, just um, for oh, leadership. Yeah. yeah. 
I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Um, I wish you so much success. I'm very excited to see you oh, on March 7th at Falls View. Oh, please come on. Yep. Yeah. Definitely listen to the Hollywood Godfather podcast by the Hollywood Godfather book. Follow Gianni on all social medias, right? Oh, yeah. Everything will have links in the description. Thank you so much. I appreciate oh, it thank so you. much. Good luck to you. Thank you. Please. Wings and going. Is this wings to go? <laughs> Who wants some hot wings? Warning, Seven Wings 6 features food-based stunts and stupid performances, either by the professionals or under the supervision of trained professionals. To ensure that these hot wings are eaten correctly, according to the BICBP and the producers, must insist that no one attempts to recreate or unknowingly eat any of these hot wings. Infernal and suicide wings are no joke. Leave it to the professional idiots that do these stunts and activities. Watch Seven Wings Six. Seven Wings Six. What will we do next? Whatever, Whatever the, the f we want. want.